Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Believe in USMNT. Our last episode before the upcoming World Cup qualifier games kicking off on Thursday of this week. On the agenda for today, we'll take a look at some players in Europe and what they did in typical fashion, but we'll probably spend a little bit less time on this today as I'd also like to take a look at what the roster looks like that Greg and his his staff has compiled. And I want to take a look at some dual nationals, one who has seemingly made his decision, though has not been announced as of now, and then another who is making the jump to Europe. So I really do only have a few players I'd like to highlight this week, one of which is John Luca Busio, and if you've been following him in Venezia, you'll know that he scored his first goal in Serie A this weekend. This is good to see. I'm not sure how many goals he's going to score in Italy. I'm not sure if he has a target in mind, but we know that when he was in MLS and when he was with Sporting Kansas City, he, he grabbed some goals here and there, so it's good to see that that's not something that has escaped his game early on in Italy. It was a big goal for him. Obviously, it's his first goal in Serie A, but it was also a 92nd-minute equalizer uh, to rescue a point for Venezia, who we know are likely going to be relegation battlers this season, so any point they can pick up is really big for them. And it's nice to see that Busio is directly adding in, um, you know, in an effort to avoid relegation early on. I was actually able to watch the full duration of this game, um, and had he not scored, he still would have been a, a player I would have liked to talk about this week. Um... He was, once again, deep in the midfield for Venezia, but he was dropping in between the two center backs uh, when Venezia were starting their build-up, which is good to see. Uh, we've seen Tyler Adams do this. We've seen James Sands do this at club level. And it's just interesting how involved he is um, in all of Venezia's play, right? He's starting the build-up in the back, from the back line. He's getting involved, um, you know, in the dying moments of the game to score an equalizer, so... It's good to see how trusted he is with the ball. It's good to see how much his teammates trust him in possession. His coach trusts him in possession. So I think these are all good signs going forward, and I am really happy to see how he's progressing in Italy thus far. Another player who continues to impress in their debut campaign in Europe is Joe Scali. Uh, and we'll discuss the World Cup qualifying squad soon, but um, he was left out of this one. Um, Greg Berhalter said he spoke to him. Obviously, we know he's tracking to him. It would be silly of us to think that. Greg Berhalter is not in constant contact with any player um, who, you know, U.S. men's national team fans see possibly making a camp. Even if they're not in the camp, um, it's very silly of us to assume that Greg Berhalter is not in constant contact with these people. And despite Scali not making this roster, it's good to hear that Greg Berhalter has been speaking with him. This week, however, he scored his first goal and put on another impressive display. It came against John Brooks's Wolfsburg side. Um, though he did not play, and we'll get into John Brooks in just a bit and why he didn't play. Um, but yeah, Joe Scali scores his first goal, just like John Lucabusio scores his first. Um, starting from the left-back position, uh, Sommer kicked the ball forward, and um, Joe Scali headed it over the defender, and then this being the dying, dying moments of the game, excuse me, just like Busio's, um, with Wolfsburg chasing the game, it, it was pretty much free from there. He picked the ball up around midfield. Uh, and sprinted through on goal, and then one-on-one -on -one finished it um, rather impressively for a fullback. Gladbach's head of sports seems impressed with him as well. He said he's been fantastic, 
and he said he has really been the winner of this season so far for us. He has adjusted a bit to Germany and has now played unbelievably well for seven games. And I think that's important to note um, that he got the start to the season through an injury. Um, and then Gladbach at fullback have continued to have injury issues. So um, they've had to rely on Scali and Scali hasn't hasn't let them down yet through seven games. And it's been good to see. Um, and I'm excited to see him with the U.S. men's national team. Obviously not this window. But we know that Berhalter's in contact with him. We know through injuries that it's very likely, and through his performances, that he's going to keep playing in Gladbach. We have no reason to think that he's not going to continue impressing, and I expect to see him in a future camp. Moving into players with a little bit more experience, and I only have two players that I'd really like to talk about remaining before we before we start to preview that World Cup window that we have coming up. But Timothy Wyatt continues to impress for Lille, and it's really... Um, it's a strong run of form for him in his last two games in the league. He has two assists. This week he picked up another assist, and it was uh, he brought a ball down beautifully. Um, just like Scally and just like Busio, he actually picks up a goal contribution late in the game. He was playing Marseille, um, so you know it was a battle of the Americans, Conrad De La Fuente and Timothy Weah. Unfortunately, neither of them started, but Timothy Weah comes off the bench, um, I believe, in the 72nd minute, then late on in the game in a one nothing game. Um, he brings the ball down out of the air, sprints forward, um, and delivers a cross into Jonathan David, who converted his second of the game and sealed the points for Lille. Um, but it was really good to see Timothy Weah. Um, he was coming off the left this time. I've previously spoke of his versatility. Um, we've seen it throughout his career. He can play on the right. He can play central. And on this occasion, he showed he could do a job on the left. But it was an impressive first touch. Um, it was a nice assist. And... I'm happy to see Timothy Weah in good form, um, especially after, you know, missing um, a little bit earlier on in the season. Obviously, he missed the first window through injury, so I'm happy to see Timothy Weah is healthy. I'm happy to see he's performing, and I cannot wait to see him in this upcoming camp um, with Pulisic, with Gio out. Um, we're going to be relying on a lot of, you know, other players, um, and sometimes we see U.S. men's national team resort to hero ball when both Gio and Pulisic are on the pitch. Um, you know, looking for individual quality to rescue points. Um, but I think, you know, we're not going to, hopefully we're not going to rely on that this time. Um, and I think players like Wea are going to have a big influence on this camp in the absence of players like Gio and Pulisic. And then to talk about a player who we've actually come to, you know, have a pretty strong influence on the USMNT is Brendan Aronson. Um, and like Wea, through the absence of Gio and through the absence of Pulisic, He's another player I expect to have a big influence, um, to continue having a big influence on the team, I should say. Uh, once again, he got an assist for Salzburg. Um, he chased the ball down on the right wing, ultimately ended up with a cutback, you know, a low cross into the top of the box, which was converted to open the scoring for Salzburg, who picked up three points yet again um, in Austria. But like I say, with Gio and Pulisic out, I think we're really going to be looking at guys like Aronson and like Wea. So it's good to see them leaving club play with uh, an assist each however in addition to Gio Reyna and Christian Pulisic being out um, another player that fans probably would have expected to be out but is now confirmed is Julian Araujo um, and he's obviously missing through different reasons reports are coming out that he's picked uh, Mexico over the United States and his uh, paperwork has been approved by FIFA um, so here we were on a high about Ricardo Pepe choosing the U.S. men's national team um, and then shortly after that we get uh, news that Julian Araujo has picked Mexico and this has been coming um, I think we were really just waiting on a final announcement and FIFA to approve the paperwork but um, 
yeah, this has been coming. It is what it is. I've talked about the right back depth on this podcast. Um, luckily, since then, right, Joe Skelly is really, you know, impressed and he continues to impress. Um, but our right back depth is not as deep as we thought it was just a few weeks ago, right? Obviously, this summer we we came away with two trophies over Mexico, but I think we learned some some other things, and we learned that our right back depth is not what we thought that it was. Uh, since then, Reggie Cannon is not getting minutes in Portugal. Shaq Moore, I don't think, is getting great minutes out there in Spain, in the second division of Spain. Um, and these are the guys that, you know, follow Destin the right back depth chart. So I think, uh, thankfully, Skelly's emergence gives us, um, you know, some more solid depth. But Julian Araujo was amongst the most talented in the entire pool. Um, like I've said previously, I think there's a big drop off after Dest, as you would expect with a right back at Barcelona. But, um, it's not as deep as we thought it once was, and I think Julian Araujo's future is as bright as anybody not named Sergino Dest in the entire pool. Um, so he's definitely a big loss for us, and um, he's a big addition for the Mexican national team, who are, you know, once again looking for the future. Um, and that's coming oftentimes, or not oftentimes, but it seems to be coming through a lot of young dual nationals being developed in, in Major League Soccer in the United States. And then another one of these players being developed in the United States is Jonathan Gomez um, of Louisville City. He um, just announced his move to Real Sociedad. Um, young left back, for those unfamiliar, he is probably the most important dual national we have. Now that Pepe has picked us and Araujo has picked um, the Mexican national team, Jonathan Gomez probably remains the next big one. Um, he will be moving to Real Sociedad soon, and um, he's currently with um, the Mexican under-20 under national team. Um, so he's had a big week. He announced that he's moving to Real Sociedad. He moves on to the uh, Mexican under-20 national team, and this is a problem. Um, you know, it, it opens a bigger debate. Why are the U.S. men's national team not having youth camps, especially in a world where these dual nets are so important? Um these people are building connections with the Mexican Federation, and it's most definitely hurting the United States. Now, we have a camp in Mexico, the under-20s do, um, about a month from the end of World Cup qualifying, this current window in October. It's about um, mid-November, I believe, um, and that features us, the Mexican national team, and I believe Colombia and Brazil. Um, but right now, Jonathan Gomez is with Mexico. We'll see what it looks like a month from now. Um, at these under 20 levels, these players are kind of able to, to go back and forth more often. Um, and we'll see if, you know, we can convince him to join us. And through talking about fullback depth and dual nationals, I think it's now time to talk about the roster that has been unveiled by Greg Berhalter and his staff this week. So the goalkeepers, we have Sean Johnson, Zach Steffen, and Matt Turner. And last week when I sort of did my prediction or what I wanted to see from this camp, I said that um, the goalkeepers really picked themselves, Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, Ethan Horvath, um, you know, for probably the duration of this entire cycle heading into the World Cup. But I said there's a possibility we see a player like Sean Johnson simply because of the restrictions with the English, um, you know, with the, the restrictions that the English clubs have on their players and how they can't go down to the second game, which is in Panama. So did we want to bring two goalkeepers of the three um, and just leave ourselves with Matt Turner on that day it seemed unlikely so I think um yeah Sean Johnson's a fine selection I don't think we're going to need him um it's rare you're going to run into an issue where you need that third keeper in just a three match window but yeah I don't think that's much of an issue and the keepers um no reason to complain
this time around, Greg Berhalter listed five center backs, uh, John Brooks, Tim Ream, Chris Richards, Miles Robinson, and Mark McKenzie. But uh, I think I said earlier in the podcast, John Brooks didn't play in that Gladbach versus Wolfs- Wolfsburg game. Excuse me. He did come off the bench. Uh, he played the second half. But it came out earlier this morning, Monday morning, that he's dealing with back problems and he's likely not going to be with the U.S. men's national team. And we've also learned that Tim Ream is not going to be there. So we're down to just three center backs now. Um, and Berhalter and his staff are apparently searching for at least a fourth to join uh, the camp. Um, but once again, before the, the window even gets started, we're being hampered by injuries. Um, and that's the type of thing we're going to have to deal with uh, throughout this cycle. The good news that comes out of this is that we've got Chris Richards, who we didn't have in the last camp as he was sealing his move to Hoffenheim. Um, obviously, that camp pretty inconveniently lined up pretty well with deadline day. So players like um, Chris Richards weren't able to make the trip, but he's back. Um, as I said on the last episode, he's having a pretty strong season for Hoffenheim once again. Um, so I'm excited to see him this camp. He's probably, um, maybe him and then Musa, who I'll get to were the exclusions that from the last camp to this camp, I'm most excited to see. Um, and then we got Mark McKenzie and Anthony Robinson, or excuse me, Miles Robinson, who, um, again, young center backs who I'm excited to see. I'm excited to get tested in CONCACAF games. Um, the more experience, the better for these two. Um, obviously we know they've had a little bit more. Um, competitive experience with the U.S. men's national team than Chris, but uh, they're three strong center backs, um, and they're three that I'm excited to have for the future. I hope we get to see Chris Richards and Miles Robinson together for at least one of the three games. Um, who knows if that'll happen, but uh, I'm excited that, um, unfortunately, it has to come through a Brooks injury, but I'm excited that we're going to see uh, most likely a pairing between two of those three players. And then for the fullbacks, we've got George Bellow, Sergino Dest, Shaq Moore, DeAndre Yedlin, and Anthony Robinson. And this goes back to what I was saying about the right-back depth. Um, I'm not necessarily too confident with DeAndre Yedlin or Shaq Moore starting in these games. Um, Bellow proved well in that Mexico final, the Gold Cup final, um, and I have no issues with Anthony Robinson or Sergino Dest. I think they're our strongest on the right and left-hand side, respectively. I think Dest can do a job at left-back. Um, we've seen Greg experiment with them there, or not even experiment, really use him as a left-back pretty often. Um, and we've seen him play that role for Barcelona in Jordi Alba's absence excuse me, recently. Um, so I think we might see that in the second game. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Dest at left-back um, if Anthony Robinson, as an English-based player, isn't able to, to you know, be there in Panama um, but then that means over on the right hand side you probably get Yedlin maybe Shaq Moore who knows um, but this is where I'm saying I think Araujo is definitely better than Shaq Moore currently um, and I think DeAndre Yedlin is he, he provides experience along that back line um, but I think he's a huge drop from Dest of course into the midfield, um, we definitely have more midfielders, and I'm pretty excited by the selection of this group of players. So it's Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Jean-Luc Abusio, Luca De La Torre, Sebastian Legette, Weston McKenney, Yunus Musa, and Christian Roldan. So what that means from last camp is we've added Yunus Musa, we've added De La Torre, we've added Busio, um, and Weston McKenney's back. So that's, in my opinion, four positives. In the last window, I really think we had a problem with ball progression through the midfield. Um, whether that be on the dribble, whether that be some creativity through passing. Uh, I think De La Torre and Yunus Musa are different profiles. Um, of course they are. 
and I think they thrive in different things. But I think what they both do is add, I assume, and I'm hoping to see that they add ball progression through the midfield in different ways. Um, and Weston McKenney, he obviously only played one game. Um, it was that El Salvador game in El Salvador, the first game of that past three-game window. Uh, and then obviously he was sent home. But I believe it, he just had a bad game, and he hasn't even had the brightest start to the season at Juventus, but I think he'll be a much better player um, than he was in that game against El Salvador this time around. So I'm excited to see ball progression through midfield. I think it's really what's been lacking under Greg Berhalter too often, especially in that last window. Um, I think Busio's going to get minutes. Greg Berhalter said he expects him to get minutes this window. Um, and he adds a bit of that. He can play as a six. I don't necessarily want to see him in a more advanced role than the six. Um, in this, you know, if we play this, uh, the six and dual eights, um, I think McKenney and Musa would be my two choices if we were able to play them every single game, 270 minutes this window. I'd love to, um, but it seems unlikely. And I also don't know if Busio is really is he the guy to replace Adams if Adams can't go one game? We know he played two, 270 minutes last window, Adams. Um, is Busio, like I say, in the Venezia game, he was dropping between the center backs. He's trusted in possession. He can progress play from deep. The issue is in CONCACAF, it's, uh, it's so much more about, we're more worried about what he's doing off the ball um, when the team's out of possession. Um, so I think this is this window will be a huge test for him. He got a taste of it in the Gold Cup, um, but this is going to be different if he's playing in Panama. Um, we know that it's a completely different atmosphere than it would be at a Gold Cup game in the United States, um, and I'm not certain I want him in that eight. I'm not certain he's going to be strong enough in that six role. I think if we're in possession, I have no problem with Busio at the six, um, and even... After, despite everything I'm saying, I think he's stronger out of possession, and I don't think he gets mugged off the ball as much as people like to make out. But it's um, inevitably he's not Tyler Adams, so um, it, it's an interesting test for him. I would like to see where Berhalter likes him. Does he like him as the six? Um, does he think he's another option at the eight? Um, so we'll see what happens there. But I think he's a fun addition. I think Luke De La Torre adds creativity um, in the midfield. Uh, through his passing, I'd expect to see some more ball progression than we saw from players like Leggett, who we know likes to go backwards and sideways a little bit too often. Um, and then Kellen Acosta, like I said with Busio playing in the six and playing in the eight. Uh, if we go three at the back, I like Acosta in the midfield, so he's a strong addition. Um, and then Musa drives forward with the ball. We've seen it with Valencia. Um, and there's nothing I'd like to see more this window than a strong performance of a midfield three from Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, and Eunice Musa. If those three can get going and they can form a strong, um, you know, midfield trifecta, uh, I think ultimately, depending on how many points we win, but from a stylistic standpoint, if we can get the best from those three together at the same time, um, I think we're, we're really coming away winners this window. And then into the forwards, we know that we will not have Pulisic and Gio Reyna, as I've mentioned tirelessly throughout this podcast. My apologies. Um, but we have Timothy Weah and Brendan Aronson, um, who will provide pace and hopefully, um, I'm talking about ball progression to the midfield, but hopefully in wide areas we can find some creativity through those two. I expect them to do well in transition if we find a game um, where you know we're relying on transition, where sometimes we do. Um, Matthew Hoppy rejoins the U.S. men's national team. He obviously wasn't with the team in the previous window as he was um, finalizing a move to Mallorca. And with Gio and 
Pulisic in the um, squad. Who knows if a player like Matthew Hoppy would be here. Um, and then the strikers, we have uh, Ricardo Pepe and Jossie Zardes. Um, and then Paul Ariola rounds out the forwards. Will Matthew Hoppy be a striker? Will he be a winger? Um, that is yet to be seen. Um, but I think in these World Cup qualifying windows, it's important to have a player with some sort of versatility. So I do think Matthew Hoppy is a great selection this time around. What I'd most like to see from this forward group is Timothy Weah bring his club form into the U.S. men's national team. We know that since Brendan Aronson has moved to Salzburg, he's been a really important figure for the U.S. men's national team. He's been super effective, grabbing goals, grabbing assists, winning the team points, really. Um, so he's an important player for us, and I'd like to see Weah also bring his club form um, into the camp because, like I said earlier in the podcast, two assists in his last two league games. Um, it's the strongest he's looked in at least since that Yolmaz injury um, to Lille in the past season. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Um, Paul Ariola brings leadership. I'm not surprised in the slightest with Pulisic and Gio out that Paul Ariola has made the squad. We know that Greg Berhalter likes him, and we know that Greg Berhalter likes to bring in the players um, you know, with some sort of experience. Um, and whether or not he is of the same quality of the rest of these players in the list, um, it's not a surprise to see him. Um, and I'm not too upset with it. Um, I know a lot of people are upset that Conrad De La Fuente didn't make the list. And in a, essentially an unlimited squad where Greg can call in as many people as he'd like, I'm a little shocked to see Conrad not with the team, but um, he's not necessarily doing what Greg Berhalter's team is going to do. Um, when I kind of did those winger profiles a couple episodes ago, I talked about He's a heels-to-the-touchline guy, and he wants to take a man on 1v1. And there's a place for that in any squad, um, especially if you know we're trailing by a goal or it's a nil-nil game in Panama or something. I think a player like him is useful. Um, but I'm not too surprised that Greg Berhalter um, deemed him not useful enough this camp, especially with what we saw from him in the past camp. Um, so I would like to see uh, Wea. Um, really kick off from club form, bring that into this camp. I'd like to see Aronson because now he's going to be trusted more with no Geo and no Pulisic and um, with good performances, bring some sort of responsibility um, into the future. So based on what he's done previously, I expect him to be a consistent performer for this team. Um, so I think he's a player that I'd like to see a bit from. Ricardo Pepe, obviously, um, based on that performance he had against Honduras, I'm not expecting him to be involved in every goal. Um, but I do like that he is involved as much as he is in that. Unlike Sargent, um, who was a bit of a shock of a miss, unlike Pifak, who I'm a little shocked missed out on this camp, um, Pepe's involvement, or excuse me, a lot of the goals when Pepe's on the field, Pepe is involved in. Um, and Josh Sargent gets involved when he's on the field. He'll drop into midfield. He's confident on the ball. Um, his layoffs are strong, um, and I do like him as a player very much, but I just think... Um, as the nine in this team, it's nice to see that the striker is so often involved in the goals, and I think Ricardo Pepe brings that better than anyone, um, despite his age. So I'm not going to give a prediction on points. Um, I know last time a lot of people were hoping for nine points, maybe even seven points would have been acceptable, um, and then we walked away with five after two tough um, draws earlier in the in the window. Um, but I would say I'd like more than five points. I think two home games. Um, obviously one to Jamaica to start the window and then we'll finish off with Costa Rica at home um, with a trip to Panama sandwiched in between. I think there's definitely a possibility for more than five points. 
Um, I think I'd be shocked, or I'd at least be upset if there was five or less points picked up from this window. Um, and this is a big chance for us to really move um, or, you know, kind of maintain that top two spots in this um, this this table. Obviously, it's us, Canada, and um, Mexico are the top three. Panama also is on five points. Um, us, Canada, and Panama obviously all have the same goal difference of three. So heading into this camp, we're all technically even, but I would like to distance ourselves from Canada and Panama this um, window. And I think these three games, um, there, there's a good chance for us to do it. And I truly think this is probably the easiest window for us, or at least the window in which we are most likely to claim maximum points, or let's say seven points, whatever the case may be. Um, so I'm excited. I think this, I have very few, um, you know, I'm not upset with the roster is what I'm trying to say. I think the players there are good enough to get the points. Um, I'm not upset with Greg's selections, and let's just hope that, um, you know, we fix that ball progression through the midfield. Um, these wingers can get a bit more involved. We don't want to see, like we see Pulisic and Gio so often have to come central to get the ball. Um, I, I would like to see the ball progressed into the midfield, through the midfield, get the wingers involved. I'd like to see Weah involved. I'd like to see Aronson involved. Um, and I think we can do that, and I think these are the type of teams um, – that we're, we're really going to put our best foot forward and I'm hoping we come away with as many points as possible. Um, so next time we talk, it'll be after these three games are concluded. Um, I'm excited for it. Uh, it'll probably be a lengthier episode, much uh, more towards the length of the first episode of this podcast. Um, and until then, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube